Welcome to Terrific Tips for Business, where we help you catch the ideas that stick. The point of the podcast is to help you overcome hurdles so you can master your business. I'm your host, Terry Watkins, owner and chief idea catcher at SpinFrogs Consulting, where I work with small business owners to find the pitfalls in their marketing and lift them to success. Let's get to the show. Welcome to another Terrific Tips for Business podcast. I am Terry, your host, and we can't spell terrific without Terry, so there you go. Makes sense. I am really excited to introduce you to my next guest. I've only recently met her, but she is a rock star, and her reputation very much precedes her in everything that she does, so I'm super thrilled to have Miss Ellie with us. And Ellie, you know what? I forgot to ask you. How do you pronounce your last name? Well, I'll, I'll respond to lots of variations of it because I know it's not a straightforward one, but it is pronounced Barmacel. Barmacel. Perfect. All right. I've got Ellie Barmacel here with us. And uh, Ellie is actually based out of Chicago, Illinois. So I know some of the people listening to my show probably don't know who Ellie is. So I can't wait to introduce you to her. She is the co-founder of Further Faster Venture Studios. Boy, that sounds like a lot of fun. She is a serial strategist with a creative core. You must be creative if you have a title like Further Faster Venture Studio. There's got to be some creativity in there. She has really spent her career focused on growing and transforming organizations, programs, and products through design. Her diversity of experience from government to Fortune 100s and even venture-backed startups has really given her some insights that fuel her ability to help teams maneuver around and through their biggest growth challenges. Now you know why she's on the show, because we talk about challenges here and how can we have the right tools, mindsets, chips, or tricks to like work through them. Well, she's got a whole bunch that I know she's going to be able to share with us today. Ellie's work has really taken her across the country and around the world and she often can be found in her home base of Chicago. Please join me in welcoming Miss Ellie to the show. Thanks for being here today. Thanks so much, Terry. It's such a joy to connect with you and um, be able to explore some ideas together. Yeah, absolutely. So not only are you like a creative mastermind and do all sorts of beautiful creative things, but you also help people overcome some of their challenges. So guess my first question for you is, where does this passion for helping people come from? Ooh, that's such a good question, Terry, and there's a lot of layers to it, so I'll try and be succinct. But um, I grew up, you know, if, if I were to get into a time machine and think about what the real core of this is, I was raised by an entrepreneur and a nurse. Um, so my mom was in a hospital setting every day, uh, taking care of people and delivering care in a very literal way. And my father was an entrepreneur who had a consulting practice, but he actually ran from home. So there was never a time in my life where I didn't have a seat at the table, literally, um, when he would have business associates over and they would be sitting at our dining room table, crafting large deals. I was very much a welcome addition at the table and his mindset on business was always about adding value for the people that he was working with. So I think having those two pillars to look at as examples of what it means to you um, to show care and, and support and help other people has really informed my career. I love that you mentioned the, 
that he focused on adding value. And I think that's so critical, especially in this time, in this world that we live in now, our post-COVID world, finding ways to add value, be of value. What have you found is like the biggest challenge that business owners have, or maybe that you've had with doing, doing that? Yeah, I think it's really easy as business owners to be thinking about our own P&L and looking at, you know, what, what do I need right now to keep the lights on for this month or next month or this quarter? And we start to think about the work that we're delivering through the lens of our own needs, right? Like, what do I, as the business owner, need to get done for myself? And sometimes that prohibits us from seeing what it is that our consumer actually needs that's going to lead to our goal of revenue for the month or whatever the objective is that you're trying to meet. So one of the big challenges that I, you know, I should say that it's not one that I'm exempt from, um, but I'm really grateful that I got the tools to unstick myself from that mindset. And um, I take a lot of joy in doing this for myself and my team and doing this with other teams that we partner with is helping them get unstuck from that mindset and hit pause on that orientation, which of course is very valid, and help them see that the only way to solve for that challenge, the solution lies in spending time really sitting in empathy for your consumer and understanding what their greatest pain is and what you're uniquely qualified to do to add value to their life in a way that they'll pay money for. And that's so good because we, we oftentimes are really kind of stuck in our own space. And especially now we literally are stuck in our own space, like can't go out and see people. Right. So, you know, how, how do we get out of that mindset and start thinking about where, where's our consumer, what's going on for them? and How can we add that value? And sometimes adding that value doesn't even mean working with you. It might mean a referral to somebody else. Right. 100%. And I think uh, I'd love to start from that point, right? Because sometimes the greatest way we can add value is the referral. And I see so many people trying to make a square peg fit into a round hole rather than helping that square peg find the square slot somewhere else. And when you think about what, how much of your time you consume trying to make something fit where it doesn't, is it leads to all of these other missed opportunities. If you had the moment you recognize the absence of fit, refer them elsewhere. And also took that as a learning opportunity to recognize this absence of fit. Is this a pattern that I'm seeing more often than actually getting to fit? Because that's a signal that I can use in my business strategy to determine what I might need to iterate on, whether it's where I'm selling, how I'm selling, or what I'm selling. Um, but using all of those moments as learning opportunities, right? Like every moment that we touch uh, touch a customer's life, even if we don't convert them into one of our customers, it's a learning opportunity to make our business stronger. Absolutely. Especially if we're open to listening, right? So is there a, a habit or a technique that you have found to be very successful for you that helps you be more attuned to that listening component that allows you that learning process? Yeah, so the, the backbone of all of the work that we do is um, human-centered design. And design is really about 
making not only your, your core product or service decisions based on the consumer, but making your entire business strategy based on the consumer. And there's a universe of exercises and processes that you can use to do that deep intentional listening. So we'll do things with our partners like uh, doing different pulse check or baseline surveys to get broad insights where we can uh, acquire some quantitative data points. We also will do some ethnographic research where we're trying to understand what are people doing currently to solve their pain um, their pain point, and even if it's irrational, how they're trying to go about it, but understanding how they're currently solving for the challenge in the absence of trying to sell them anything, but just to show up to learn um, and making intentional space for that. And then also, once you've got your product or service up and running in the world, embedding questions in your sales process to be able to gather data points that you can use to inform your strategy moving forward. But it takes a lot of intentionality to make sure that those questions are embedded in, in the life cycle of, of your work. And I love that you talk so much about the data too, because it's not just about having a pretty picture, or having the right colors. It's about really understanding how that stuff resonates and associates with your ideal customer. So having those data points is really key. Have you found a series of questions that help you kind of lead lead to some extra data that people maybe just be looking over? And if so, what maybe are some of those questions that we could start asking of our clients? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, the, the questions can be really specific based on what you're doing in your respective industry, um, right? Like businesses are like snowflakes, even when they're the same, they're not, uh, because we're, you know, we're powering it and we're different from one another. So, um, I don't like to be overly prescriptive on specific questions, but I do think that spending time to listen to the challenge um, and then asking deeper questions about the impact that challenge is having, how are they being adversely impacted by not solving for this challenge? What are the ways that they've attempted to solve the challenge in the past and what were the results? Why is that, why is that solution no longer working for them? How would they transform the solution that the solutions that they've tried in the past. And when you ask questions like that, not only are you getting the data points you need to be able to sell to that person, they're telling you exactly what they need. You're also getting the data points to know whether or not the solution that you've created is really hitting the mark for them. And the more intel like that that you can gather, the more quickly you can iterate on your business model to make sure that it's meeting consumers where they are in a way that's going to be really transformative for them. Absolutely. I love those questions. That's great. Like, what's the challenge that you've had before? Why is it a challenge again? What's changed about the process? Because we're in a world right now where a lot has changed. Like, I don't know if you've read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? It's a book from like the 1980s, but it talks all about the sales cycle, right? And all of a sudden you're like, you're on a hot streak, you're selling like crazy. And all of a sudden, ghost town, everything disappears, right? That's what's happened to our entire world. Like everything's moving along and all of a sudden COVID and crickets everywhere. And you can't break through all of the noise that's existing on the social media spaces. And so really helping your people to understand like, okay, this is a very real challenge. Again, it was a challenge before you broke through it. You figured out new technology. Maybe you figured out a new strategy that's no longer sering you. So now what, right? 
I love it. I love that you have those questions that people are just, you're just listening to what the answers are. You're not trying to solve the problem. You're just trying to figure out what the problem is. Right. We, we can't solve anything for our consumers if we don't really understand what the problem is. We're essentially asking them, where does it hurt? And what, like, how is your life hindered by the hurt? Right? And that uniquely positions us then to deliver the morphine that alleviates the pain. Um, but we don't know what the right dose is without knowing what the problem is and where the source comes from. Absolutely. So what's been one of the biggest challenges you've had in starting your business? Because you're the co-founder of this, right? Or partner of this. Mm -hmm. What's been one of the biggest challenges maybe you and your partner have faced over the time being in business together? Yeah, I mean, we all know what the entrepreneurship uh, journey is. It is not a flat, straight jog. It is an incredibly loopy roller coaster. So there have certainly been um, plenty of challenges on the road. And I think one of the big challenges for us was getting really clear on who we wanted to serve. We're passionate about what we do and why we do it, but there are a lot of people we can do this work for. And you can't serve everyone, right? Especially in your earliest days of your business. If you're not specific, you can't find the right consumer. You're spread too thin, your message is diluted, and you also can't activate the people in your universe to help you find the right customer. So I think one of our big challenges was um, aligning around who we wanted to work with um, because in the land of perfect, I'm so deeply curious about all businesses and all people. I do want to work with everyone. And that's also not a sustainable business model unless you're you know, a billion dollar company. So when you're in your earlier days, how do you get clear on who is that primary user that you want to serve? Um, and it's a process, right? It's a, it's a lot of learning and listening and figuring out, what are the different pain points that exist for different types of users? And of those pain points that exist, which one do we want to address first? Um, and how do we make that solution set then very accessible to them? Um, and that was a journey for us, but it's been a really exciting journey, a challenge, but a fun one. Sure. It sounds like you've really grown a lot in going through that process. And it's not an easy, quick process, right? It takes time to kind of figure that out. You kind of got to jump in with both feet and see what sticks in some cases. In other cases, it doesn't have to be quite that painful, but. <laughs> well, it, it's as painful as we make it, right? Like I, I always say, pivot like you mean it, right? Like go in with, go in with conviction about what you're doing and also be really open to what you're hearing and what you're seeing in the market, from your consumers, from your competitors. And when you take that knowledge, pivot like you mean it, like you really believe that you're going in a new direction that's the right direction, whether that's a, a slight pivot um, or a major 180 on your business. It, it can be fun, it can be exciting if we switch, you know, shift our mindset in the way that we're, we're thinking about this work. Are there habits that you have been able to develop in your time being in business that have helped you more quickly shift mindset? Yeah, I well, shifting mindset is so challenging even for the, the best of us who enjoy mindset shifts. 
Um, but one of the key things for me has been building in time for synthesis and reflection, right? Like uh, many business owners, I'm sure people listening can relate to this idea of being constantly in communication with other people, whether it's channel partners or prospective clients or your current clients, or maybe it's your team, whether that's your direct reports or your business partners. There's just this constant hum of conversation. And it's really important, I believe, um, to create the habit of space and making space to synthesize everything that you're hearing in these different conversations and look for patterns, look for things that are coming up time and time again. And then once you synthesize what you're hearing, turn, that, turn those data points into insights, right? Like, okay, well, if I had 12 conversations today, both with prospective clients and my team, and one of the big, one of the big insights here is we're missing X, Y, Z thing from the mix, I need to hear that. And I need to hear that quickly. Um, but without that period of reflection, it might take me weeks, months, maybe even years of time to, to get to that insight and awareness. Absolutely. And the cost to that could be astronomical if it takes too long. So it's much cheaper to slow down, take that moment, that pause. We've talked about pause a couple of times on this show, speaking of the synthesis, right? We've talked about taking that moment of reflection or taking that, that deep breath and identifying what's happening inside, what's happening outside, and how do they connect and correlate together because that's going to help enlighten you on the next step, whatever that next move might be. So that concept has come up several times and, and blocking that time, like holding that time sacred to do that can save you lots of money in the long run. So inside of your practice, do you do graphic design as well, or are you primarily crafting the strategies with the design? Yeah, we, we will do some of the graphic design and the digital presence and digital enablement for the business as an output of the strategy. I think sometimes, you know, there's an order of operations to, to growing a business, even though it feels like a big mystery, regardless of how many books there are on the topic. Um, you can read 20 of them or 200 of them and still be a little muddy on what the right order of operations is for, for doing some of this work. Um, but you know, great businesses are, are built not on a logo alone. A logo is a manifestation of deep strategy work and deep understanding of who your consumer is and how you're solving their pain point. And the logo then reflects what you know to be true about the consumer and the solution. Um, so in the order of operations, we do get to that at, at a certain point, uh, but it's certainly not the jumping off point. And I can't tell you how many um, entrepreneurs I'll talk to over the course of the week who uh, have an idea and go straight from idea to saying, and now I need a logo. And that's kind of hard if you can't tell me exactly who you're serving, what their biggest pain points are, and why you're different from everyone else in the marketplace. Ooh, so good. It's so good because that's, I hear this all the time. Um, I have my business and I need a website now. Great. Okay. Why do you think you need a website? And, and for what purpose? Because I think we have this conception in our world right now that if we don't have a website, we're not legitimate. It's like, if you don't have a book, you're not a real coach or something like that. And it's silly because like, no, I'm a real coach. 
just because I haven't written the book doesn't mean I don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? It's the same with having a website. Just because you don't have a website doesn't mean you don't do what you do. It does give some credibility to what you're doing. It does make it easier for you to play in the digital space. But there's definitely a lot of steps that need to happen first before you can get there. Because what are you even going to communicate on that website? 100%. I, I can't tell you how many times um, I've, we've actually gotten referrals from, from brand strategists who their, their whole bread and butter is designing logos and the visual identity for a company. And we'll get a call from a brand strategist who's like, I can't design a brand because they don't know what their core product is, or they really don't know who their core user is or what problem they're actually trying to solve. Because sometimes people will get really enamored with the idea of the service or the product they want to build, but it's not directly correlated to a problem per se that they're trying to solve in the world. And it's not directly correlated to a particular type of person who's got a problem in the world that this product and service could be a solution for and the brand strategist is like what am i branding who am i selling to do you know who you're selling to and in the absence of that i mean what's the point right. you're, you're you're better off you know putting your money in a little trash can and striking a match yeah throwing spaghetti against the wall yeah because that's all you're doing yeah absolutely so you're very passionate about this and and i can see it like excites you to talk about business and talk about ideas. Why do you care so much? I think that there's infinite human potential. There's no shortage of talent and resources to solve the world's biggest problems. What there is, however, is a lot of inefficiency in the road to getting there. And I know so many brilliant, talented, kind, um, driven humans who've got incredible ideas and they get lost on the path towards traction and growth because in the early execution they stumble and things become infinitely messier than they need to be. And I'm really committed to working with entrepreneurs who've got that big vision and know that they can solve a problem um, but might otherwise get lost along the way. And then who suffers? All of us suffer when Someone can't bring that beautiful solution to market, to get it to a place where there's not just traction, but growth and scalability. Um, and it feels so pressing when you think about all of the things that we're facing around the world right now, um, that good solutions move quickly. Absolutely. I love it. Our, our, uh, our passions align. I love it. it. That's why we're here and we're having this conversation. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I've seen recently, and you've probably seen these ads too, are these marketing gurus out here that are saying, you don't need a funnel, you don't need Facebook ads to build a successful business. And, and there is part of me that agrees with that. There are ways to build a successful business without those components. But I'm curious, kind of what are your thoughts on the funnel system and the Facebook ads and the landing pages and all of this hoorah, like webinar stuff that's going on right now? Oh gosh, Terry, I could go on about this. We would need like a second and third episode <laughs> if you really wanted all of my thoughts on this. But, you know, I think building a business, um, I don't know if there are any uh, culinary fans uh, who are listening right now, but when you think about baking, 
baking is an exact science. And if you and I both decide we're going to make a chocolate cake and this is the chocolate cake recipe, and we agree this is the recipe we're going to use, we're going to get the exact same results as long as we follow the recipe. It's a science. That's baking. Um, and I should put the asterisk. I know we'd have to calibrate for altitude here. But, right, like in theory, same recipe, same output. The same isn't true for business. It's much more like cooking, right? Like you and I can both decide that we're going to make mac and cheese together in our respective kitchens using the same recipe, but you might put in a dash of hot sauce and I might put in a dash of nutmeg. They're both edible. They're still pretty similar, but we tweaked it ever so slightly based on our palates and what our goals were, right? Like you might like it spicy in your house. Cool. That's great. And I think building businesses are like that. There is no one size fits all. There are some best practices that we can draw from, but it really depends on who are you trying to serve? Where do we find them? What do they need to build credibility in a relationship with your brand? And for some businesses, you really do have to re rely on a digital funnel that uses a lot of social media ad buy, and that's totally fine. Other businesses might not need that type of funnel mechanism or the funnel looks a little bit differently. Every business has a funnel. It's just a matter of whether it's a digital funnel or not. Right? Like awareness, consideration, acquisition, first use, continued use, evangelization, happens for every business, hopefully. It's just a matter of how people are coming into your funnel um, and making sure that the funnel that you're building really is for the right audience. I think that comes back into our awareness component, right, that you had mentioned earlier, where we take that moment to internalize what it is that we're seeing. So you mentioned this funnel that exists inside of every business, and you're absolutely right. You've got these phases of our customer journey that no matter what business you're in, your customers are on this journey. Whether you're aware of this journey or not, it is a journey that's happening. And you can be intentional about that journey and you can guide them along that path quite intentionally and position yourself to help them along that journey. Or it can happen accidentally. And I think for a lot of small businesses, it happens accidentally more times than not, especially if we don't have some of that market research in place. Are there tools or resources that you might recommend for people to develop some of the market research for themselves? Because that can be quite a challenge to put together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people hear the term market research and they start to get a little, you know, sweaty around the brow, like how much is this going to cost me? Um, because, you know, when you think market research, I don't know about you, but I can see, I can see a world in which that gets very quickly equated to like, a madman style situation where you're like, oh my gosh, do I need to work with a firm on Madison Avenue in New York? Do I need to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars? Right? Like, it's clear how that can snowball, but it's not that hard. It doesn't have to be. Um, you, you can do that, but I'd argue for a lot of small businesses and early stage high growth companies, we are far from that moment. Um, I think there's some really basic things that you can do. Like there are plenty of templates online if you Google consumer journey map, right? Like in theory, I, I shouldn't say all companies do this, but in theory, all high growth startup companies begin there with creating a consumer journey map and user personas that anchor you in who you're talking to and getting clear on like, what are your users thinking, feeling, and doing in each stage? And then what are the tactics that you can use to engage them in an authentic way at each point. And in order to be 
able to do that well, you need to have a really well-crafted user persona of who are you serving, right? Like, are we talking about the 22-year-old recent college grad who lives in a major urban center? Or are we talking about the 60-year-old about-to-be-retiree who lives in an exurb in, a, in the southwest region of America? They're two totally different people. So you need to know who they are, where they hang out, they're hanging out in totally different places. These are questions and explorations that you can do on your own without needing to hire a big market research firm, or you can hire boutique firms to work with you to do these things in a way that's probably more cost accessible than you think it is. Oh, absolutely. And helping to figure out, I know for me, when I started Spin Frogs, the question that I posed to my network, these are people who know me. These are friends. These are family. These are business associates in my community where I live, where I've networked, where I've developed these relationships, right? And I just did a post on social media and said, I'm starting over, who am I? What do mm -hmm. I do? And resoundingly, everybody who knows me, apparently I did a really good job branding myself as a marketing person. And so that, that was like a blow over of, you need to do marketing. And I'm like, okay. Okay. I mean, that's who I am. That's what you all know me as. I guess that's what I'm going to do now. I'm just going to go back into what I know because I know. It. And so we get to play in the sandbox together. And there's also this, this opportunity that we have very uniquely because of social media and the ability to go out and say, if I am this person, what is your biggest challenge with it? Like we touched on that biggest challenge question before, right? So what's your biggest challenge with marketing? And that way you can see, can I help with that or not? Like one of the questions that I got early on was somebody wanted to do webinars and they wanted to get them recorded and they wanted to like boast them out everywhere. And early into Spin Frogs, I didn't have that experience. I didn't know what that looks like or how to do that. But I said I would try it anyway square peg, round hole, didn't work, right? <laughs> Stick to what you know. Um, but that again comes into not just knowing who you're trying to serve, but knowing yourself, right? You kind of got to know who yourself is. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there are a lot of really well-intentioned people who want to see you grow, who want to see you thrive in the business that you're creating. And, um, you might have 20 different voices in your ear that are giving you very competing feedback on what they think you should do. And I think the two primary voices that you need to be really honing in on are the voices of the people that you know you want to serve and then your own internal voice, right? If, if you are really listening deeply to the people that you're trying to serve and connecting what they're saying to your own voice and what you know you're uniquely qualified to deliver with your service or with your product, then you can find that right alignment of the work that you're supposed to be doing and then figuring out the right moments for um, playing at our learning edges, right? And determining, is this a place where I want to grow, where, I, where I'm interested in growing, and what would need to be true to iterate in those ways? Absolutely. I think you touched on it before, too. You were talking about authenticity. We hear this term authenticity a lot. What does authenticity mean to you? Yeah, authenticity is definitely one of the, you know, words du jour. Uh, it's having a very big moment as of late. Um, but whenever I've thought about authenticity, it's about being an honest broker, 
and really being in touch with your core so strongly that you're going to reflect that back out into the world the same way, regardless of who you're talking to or where you're talking to them. Um, and being really genuine in, in what you have to share with the world. I think that uh, people's, um, people's BS meters are really finely attuned these days. Um, and they want the truth. They just want to know who you are at your core, whether we're talking about personal relationships or business relationships, um, especially because it's really hard to keep up false pretenses. So authenticity to me is about starting from that, the real, real, right? Like if we strip it all away, what's at the core and leading from that core. So when it comes to like having somebody manage our social media, how do we maintain that authentic voice if we're not the ones doing it, somebody else? Yeah, and I know that's so nerve-wracking for so many small business owners and entrepreneurs, this idea of my baby, this is my voice. Um, but I think as our businesses grow a little bit, little bit we recognize that um, the voice of the company might not be our exact voice. It's got its own voice, um, one that we helped nurture and uh, create, of course. Um, but once there's some certainty around your place in the world as a company, it's easier to bring people into that vision with you. Um, if I've done the work of knowing who I'm serving and why I'm serving them and how I'm making their life better and have started to cultivate a rapport with my consumer, even if there is no website to date. Um, but if I can show you, Terry, like five email exchanges with my favorite customer that shows you how we're talking to one another and how that flow happens between me and my customers, really great marketers like yourself know how to live in that and channel that voice. And I think that's when it becomes really crystal crystal clear to me that not only do you have to do some of that work at the onset where you bring in the right marketer around your user and product market fit and the journey that you're on, um, but finding the right marketer who understands that they're there to do a little bit of channeling of, it, of your business's mindset. And um, you know when you've found that person because they're asking you the right questions um, and asking you about your priorities and your goals and how you like to treat your customers and channeling that into something beautiful. And it's always such a joy to me when I find those right partners that I know that I'm putting my brand or and, and product or a client's brand and product in the hands of someone who's going to give the same kind of care that I would. Mm. I love that you've touched on so many amazing nuggets here about knowing that language, there's going to be a synergy with the language that's being used. There's going to maybe even be some common words that are shared. And that helps you to know that you're on the same page together. There's that curiosity that exists when you're talking with somebody who's wanting to work with your organization. They're not curious about how necessarily they can serve you. They're curious about how you're serving your people because that's going to help them be be a, I guess I, I don't want to say transparent, but be that seamless alignment for you. And that's what you need when you're bringing on a partner for anything you do in your business, whether it be a, a vendor partner or it be somebody who's going to be helping you with your marketing or whatever. It's got to be that seamless handshake mm -hmm. because if it's not, 
it's going to get felt. It's going to feel bumpy and rocky and like you're going over some rough terrain along the way. So having somebody who asks some of those questions that make you feel like you're being heard is a big deal. Yeah. And, and I think as business owners, we've got a responsibility responsibility for setting up our external partners for success, which is why I'm such a huge advocate for doing research and documenting that research so that, um, you know, if I'm the business owner and I've done my due diligence of creating user personas and a consumer journey map and doing some ethnographic research where I'm interviewing people and I've got baseline surveys, what I can do when I synthesize that knowledge is translate that into some language that's going to make it easier for you as my marketing partner to, you know, for that handshake to be real airtight, right? If I can say to you, yeah, Terry, I talked to 20 people who are our right user. And you know what? They kept, the word that kept coming up was uh, they don't like to use the word sub, they prefer, or submarine, they prefer sandwich or grinder, right? Okay. I mean, in this scenario, right, evidently I'm a sandwich empresario. Um, But right, like surfacing that language through the lens of who you're trying to serve and what language resonates for them and creating that voice around it and sharing that with your marketing team and then letting them take their expertise and take it to the next level. um, There's something really powerful that can happen there as long as you're setting up your marketer for success. Absolutely. And honestly, I think most marketing people want their clients to be successful. Most agencies don't set out to swindle people or trick people out of their money. They're doing it because they want their clients to be successful. I think what makes it so hard is that we're not always clear as business owners what we even expect of our agencies. We're not always clear as business owners what we expect of our marketing. We're just looking for more sales. Well, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) You know? One hundred percent. I I talk to clients all the time who will say when I say what are your goals for your business and they'll say things like, you know, I just want to hit a million dollars in annual recurring revenue. And I'm like, okay, well that's a that's a measure of success for your business, but what are your goals for the business? And it's not about the measures of success. Talk to me about the the vision for where this company is going and whose lives you're transforming and what's the change that you're trying to make in the world by being in business, whether you're a sandwich shop owner or trying to be the next Amazon. It's really important to anchor yourself in some goals that aren't purely based on success measures, right? Like those are indicators of whether or not your goals are being advanced. And um, when I think about the relationship between the business owner and the the vendor that they vendors they have in their lives, whether it's uh, a marketing agency or a product design firm or you know whoever it might be. I think that there's a question at the onset of like mutual accountability. It's like, hey, let's. I, I can't hire a vendor and expect them to solve all of my challenges. Like, I as the small business owner or entrepreneur have got a role to play in this too, to make sure that they're set up for success, right? Like at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. And if I want my vendor to really succeed, I need to be prepared to support them in doing that. Like I'm the one who holds all the institutional knowledge and I'm the one who has the power to make the changes necessary for them to succeed in helping me actualize my goals. I love that. And, and here's something that I heard recently. It's a quote and I don't, I wish I could remember who said it now, but it escapes me who said it. 
but there was a quote that talked about a good relationship. Now they were talking about a romantic relationship, but I think it, I think it's relevant in business too. The best relationships, it was Brendan Burchard. <laughs> That's who said it. Light bulb. <laughs> there it is. Um, Brendan Burchard recently did a post that said the best relationships are the ones where nobody knows what the outcome is going to be, but you go into it together, trusting each other that you're going to figure it out along the way. And when they fail, they fail not because the trust wasn't there. It's because one person trusted more than somebody else did, or one person put more effort and energy into that solution than somebody else did. And that's why it fails. Relationships only work when both parties involved are willing to put forth the same energy and resources to making it work. If they don't, then it becomes uneven and disjointed, and then it's hard to maintain. And I just thought it was so fitting for everything you were just saying that I'm like, yeah, we have to share this quote. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I, I love that. It, it I couldn't agree more, right? Like I think there, historically there's been the dynamic of like, I'm the person hiring the vendor vendor is just my execution partner and do as I say, even if it's not tied to any logical strategy, right? Like, <clears throat> as opposed to like, how are we cultivating sustainable relationships with each other where we're really aligning around a vision and goals and um, being on the, on the ride together to learn and grow together. Because I really love when I'm on, when I'm in the vendor seat um, working with, small businesses and entrepreneurs, especially because a lot of the people that we're working with are early stage, high growth technology entrepreneurs. There's going to be a million pivots on, on that road. And I like to be along for the ride. Like it's, it's like being on the tilt world. And if you can enjoy the ride, um, really powerful things can happen on the other side of it. I love that analogy. We're all on a tilt-a-whirl when it comes to business and in certainly in, in the world today, the whole world is on a giant tilt-a-whirl. We really just have to learn how to hold on and laugh and go with the punches along the way because they're coming. They're going to happen. It's just life, right? Yeah. Ellie, this has been absolutely wonderful. I've so enjoyed our time together. I cannot believe that we're already almost up on the hour. So I want to go ahead and take this moment and ask if there was one thing you wish somebody told you when you were starting business, what would that one thing be? Mm. Wow. So many things I wish someone had told me at the onset. Um, I think the the biggest thing I wish someone had told me at the onset of the entrepreneurship journey is um, listen deeply and listen intentionally um, because that listening, that intentional listening, the seeking out the knowledge uh, from, from your user is what all other success hinges upon. Doesn't matter how great I think my idea is in the absence of deep listening to the, specifically to the people whose lives I'm trying to transform through my business. In the absence of that deep listening, I am flying the plane in the dark. And it, it would have saved me a lot, of, uh, a lot of time at various points in my very earliest companies that I started um, no, a gajillion years ago. It would have saved me some time to really have internalized that message. Mm. 
listen deeply, listen for understanding. That's so good. That's, that is a really good tip. I so appreciate that. Ellie, I know our audience has enjoyed listening to you. I know I've enjoyed the time with you. What's going to be the best way for everybody to get in contact with you? Yeah, I would love to hear from any and every friend of Terry who's got a question or an idea or uh, just needs a thought par partner to bounce, uh, bounce with. Um, best way to reach me is either on LinkedIn um, and you can also feel free to slide into the email inbox, which is just Ellie, E-L-L-I-E, at furtherfaster.design. Furtherfaster.design. Ellie at furtherfaster.design. And thank you. That This has been brilliant. You've given a lot of things to think about, some great questions for people to start asking their audience so that they can start to really figure out, you know, where can I add value? Where can I make connections that helps to add value? And how can I start to really serve from a place of value add and wanting to, to really support and be that connecting force in our community? I think you've asked a lot of really good questions for people to start pulling their audience and start to really get an understanding of who is even their audience to begin with. So thank you. Thank you, Terry. This has been such a joy. This has been probably the quickest hour of my week. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> this has been a blast. Until next time, listeners, we'll catch you soon. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you've enjoyed the show, help us share it by leaving us a review. Also, make sure to follow us at SpinFrogs, that's S-P-I-N-F-R-O-G-S, at Facebook and Instagram to be notified about our future episodes.